Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living, a program designed to educate and inspire listeners throughout Indian country. American Indian and Alaska Native Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he is here today to help you learn more about your health. Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to today's edition of the broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we're looking at a topic that, well... It's something that has been close to the heart of indigenous peoples for literally centuries, and actually it's close to all our hearts. It has to do with eating. How many of you have even gone a day without eating recently? Well, we want to shine a special light on the topic of nutrition today, and to help us do that, I've got a very special guest with us, Heather Resick. Heather, it's great to have you with us. My pleasure. Now, Heather, you've got uh, some letters after your name, R-D-N. Can you let our uh, listeners know what that stands for? Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. So in the old days, I think we used to call you folks R-Ds, but now they're R-D-Ns. Have I got that uh, transition correct? Yes, that's correct. And some dietitians still use the R-D. So tell us a little bit, Heather, about your kind of path? How did you get into the career that you're in? I've heard a lot about some exciting things that you've been doing. We're going to talk about that in the show, but first a little bit about yourself. Well, I've always been interested in food. Growing up as a child, I was a foodie. I just didn't understand the term. So I'd go to the grocery store with my mother. Oh, let's try this vegetable. Let's try this fruit. And just loved cooking. But I'd never heard of a dietitian, so I went into nursing. But at the time we were practicing giving shots on oranges, I knew I was not cut out to be a nurse. And so I'm grateful that my college advisor helped me to find a better career path that better matched my interest in food and nutrition. I love your story because there's so many folks that tune into the broadcast And maybe they have a training, maybe they're in a certain discipline, and they realize that they're really not cut out for it. Now, a lot of people would say, boy, I wish I had realized that before I completed my training in a discipline. But for a number of years, I actually taught in the community college system and taught a lot of uh, adults who were coming back, and many of them going into healthcare professions. So tell us a little bit more about... uh, a registered dietitian, a registered dietitian, nutritionist, just what that involves? Well, food is involved in our lives multiple times a day and in multiple ways. So the most common place for dietitians to work is in a hospital, but it could be in a school system, in a prison. Um, I've also worked, like I worked with the Macaw tribe in Washington State doing as a WIC nutritionist and helping women and children um, with their nutrition needs. I worked on the same reservation with Head Start, which was an educational program for children that helps provide nutritious meals for them. So there's a wide variety of places that dietitians can use their skills just to help people improve their nutrition and improve their relationship with food. What's especially exciting to me in in terms of this broadcast is, of course, we have many Native listeners, and some of them are are younger folks that uh, they're interested in health. That's why they're tuning into the show. And they're, you know, searching what kind of career can they embrace that 
they can not only use to uh, really enrich themselves, but also to give back. I hear that so often in Indian country. How can I give back to my people? I appreciate the cultural roots I have. And just that connection that, that you've shared, how you've had the privilege of working with indigenous peoples in the area of nutrition. Dietetics really opens up a, a huge, wow, whole, whole set of doors, should we say, where people can give back, like you said, whether it's in a tribal hospital, whether it's in a private hospital, a community hospital, whether it's in a clinic, whether it's working for a tribe, just a great wealth of opportunities, right? That is so true. So Heather, let's talk a little bit about some of the unique things that you've been doing. You and I met at a conference recently. You had uh, shared some publicly there. I had some opportunities to share in some of the meetings that were at this uh, professional conference, but I was excited because I heard of a lot of people. It was in the Pacific Northwest. They were talking about things they were doing. Some of them were working with indigenous peoples, others uh, not specifically focused on that population. But tell us a little bit about the variety of things that you've been doing over the years that have taken nutrition maybe in a little bit different direction than some of my listeners might be thinking about. For the five years prior to COVID, I was doing a hands-on cooking class at my church. And of course, COVID changed that considerably, but it was just such a great opportunity to interact with people in the community. We would just set up folding tables in the fellowship hall. Each table was a different cooking station. There would be groups of three or four people at each cooking station. Each station did a different recipe. And then when the food was all ready, we'd spread it out on a buffet table and everybody would get to taste all of the dishes and then just mingle and interact while we ate together. And then afterwards, we'd talk about the recipes and some nutritional aspects. And it was just such a great community building opportunity. And we just did that every month for five years. But of course, when the pandemic hit, we had to change things. So I had to get creative and change how I do my cooking classes. And as a result, I've been doing monthly live stream cooking classes from my own kitchen. And that doesn't provide the same type of connection, but it's designed as a cook-along class. So I send out the recipes ahead of time so people can get the ingredients and they can cook along with me at the same time. They can show off on Zoom what they've made. And it's just been a fun way to interact and to help people expand their culinary repertoire. Now, you have gotten me excited here because I continue to run into folks and they say, listen, I'm learning about these concepts of nutrition. I'm learning I should be eating more fruits and grains and beans. And a lot of my uh, indigenous listeners from throughout North America, many tribes have a tradition emphasizing the three sisters, corn and beans and squash. And so people are telling me, well, I want to eat more of these things, but I'm kind of, uh, well, I've, I don't really have that cultural heritage in terms of knowing the recipes that my elders used. I mean, they've passed away and I, I don't know what kind of things to make. Maybe they're living in an urban area. And even though they have this kind of cultural history and they're resonating with it, they say, well, how do I make some of these things that taste good, they're easy to prepare? So you're actually doing that. Am, am I understanding that correctly, Heather? 
Yes, I focus on whole foods that are plant-based. So I teach people how to cook beans. We use the instant pot, the electric pressure cooker a lot, or the slow cooker, just because they're modern conveniences that make cooking those beans easier. But yes, that's been one of the biggest things that I have taught over the last couple of years is just helping people how to use that instant pot they were given for Christmas. Okay, this is great. So now for those folks that I run into who say, you know, someone I need, in fact, it was not that long ago where someone said, I need your wife to come over and show me how to cook. And uh, there's just a lot of people that want some individualized instruction. You're doing that via the internet. How does someone tap into what you're doing, Heather? They can sign up through my website, which is heatherresick.com. And yeah, we do a monthly class. Someday I'm hoping to expand it to more than once a month. But right now we're doing it every Wednesday, every third Wednesday, but hope to expand that to more. Okay, so I'm writing this down. So Heather, that's easy. H-E-A-T-H-E-R. But then give us the spelling of that last name. R-E-S-E-C-K. So if I can remember Heather Resick, R-E-S-E-C-K dot com, correct? Yes. I can just jump on there and I can register to be notified whenever you're doing a cooking class. Is that how it works? Yes. There you can sign up for a free guide that I offer to help you streamline your time in the kitchen. And then I send out emails with recipes, nutrition tips, and information about upcoming classes. Great. If, let me see if I've got this game plan correct. So if I sign up for this, um, I'm looking at, uh, at my watch. We don't want to you know, give the, you know, we're, re- we're recording in, in March of 2022, so it's not a secret. But um, if, uh, let's say the third Tuesday, or excuse me, third Wednesday is coming up next week, just hypothetically when this show is airing. If that's the case, then I'm going to get something in advance of that show where you're going to say, I'm going to be demonstrating these recipes. Do, do I understand this correctly? Yes. Like the re- class I did yesterday was on foods for bone health. And we focused on how to maximize the amount of calcium in your foods. And so a week ahead of the class, if somebody signed up for the class, then they will get the recipes and all the information they need to join the class. And if they haven't signed up for the class, they'll still get an email that shares what the class is going to be about so they can decide if they want to join in or not. So great. So I can a week in advance, go to the grocery store, pick up whatever ingredients, and then I've got my computer running during this class and you're going to tell me Okay, now measure out a half teaspoon of this and a half cup of this. Is it is it really that easy? Yes, it is. I mean, I think this is great. Are you getting a lot of enthusiastic feedback from people? Yes, and some people just prefer to to sit and watch and then cook uh-huh. later. Um, it's, so it's totally up to you in terms of how much you want to engage. And some people are working during the time of the class, so they'll just get the recording and watch it at their own convenience. So now if I go to heatherresick.com, can I access archives and handouts that go along with past shows? Is it that easy? Now that is a good idea. I don't have that set up. That is one of my goals to do that. Okay. Well, I'm going to make a mental note of this. And I'm jotting down that idea. So I will get that on my to-do list sooner than later. Okay. 
Well, we might even be able to talk about some things that uh, we could collaborate on, because I know there's a lot of folks that tune into stuff that we do that would be interested in a component like this. So we'll carry on that dialogue after the show. But you have gotten my interest about something else, Heather, and it, it really is relevant in Indian country, and that is this whole topic of bone health. And the reason I say it's relevant is I'm sure you well know from your work in Indian country, and that is that many Native Americans, uh, like many other populations on the globe, have issues with lactose intolerance. You know, as they get older, they can't digest those dairy products, the, you know, the lactose, the milk sugar. And uh, as a result, when they're hearing this messaging, you know, drink more milk, do this for your bones, it kind of really leaves them in an awkward position. They say, how can I get my calcium? Now, am I understanding that because of your emphasis on these whole plant foods that the Creator gave us, that you are emphasizing how we can get adequate calcium without using dairy? Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So I'm all ears. I'm sure many of my listeners are. What kind of things should we be eating if we want to boost our calcium intake? Well, all you have to do is remember beans and greens. Some beans have higher amounts. Like in the class yesterday, we did black-eyed peas, which are one of the highest beans. But all beans have good source of calcium. And greens, green leafy vegetables like kale and collards and mustard greens are particularly high in calcium. So anytime you can combine beans and greens in your meal planning, uh, you're going to be incorporating a lot of calcium. Those are great insights. You know, one other quick question. I know we're going to have to step away here just very briefly, but a lot of times people talk about bioavailability of calcium from different sources. And uh, how do, let's say, greens compare with dairy? The body absorbs the calcium from greens very well. There are three type three greens that are high in oxalates, which are spinach, beet greens, and Swiss chard that have a compound in them that tend to tie up some of the, the calcium. So those don't provide as much calcium as the other types of greens, such as kale and collards but they also do contribute some calcium. And if you're prone to kidney stones, you may want to really limit the, your intake of those greens, the spinach, Swiss chard, and beet greens. Thanks so much, Heather. We have to step away. I know you've got a lot more great information, and we're going to be talking about that as we continue today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Don't go away. We'll be back with more right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at A-I-A-N-L dot O-R-G. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, A-I-A-N-L dot org. Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. 
furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. When Jim died, I wondered if I would be able to keep the farm. Then I heard about the USDA's loan program for socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers. It's for women and minorities who may be having trouble getting credit. Once I was approved, the USDA's Farm Service Agency helped me get the credit I needed. Now I don't have to sell, and I can pass the farm down to my kids the way Jim's dad passed it down to him. I know he'd like that. Contact your local USDA Service Center or visit www.fsa.usda.gov. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Heather Resick, a registered dietitian, nutritionist, is with us for our show. She's been telling us some exciting things about how you can get some practical instruction on cooking. If you're just joining us, Heather, uh, if folks missed out on that overview you gave us of your monthly cooking program, tell us uh, once more how someone can take part in that. It's a live stream cooking class that's offered through Zoom, and they can sign up on my website at heatherresick.com. Because it's designed as a cook-along class, then they can get the recipes ahead of time and cook along with me at the same time and have an opportunity to ask questions in the whole process. Tremendous, tremendous. So like I said earlier, I'm excited about this. I'm glad I'm learning about it. I know a number of my patients and others that I know I think are going to be excited about this option. So you helped us with some practical nutrition insights. We're going to have a lot more of those things coming up. But uh, before we move into discussing that, I think we probably should address one of the big objections that I hear, Heather, and that is uh, so many people tell me they don't have time. They say, I just don't have time to eat healthy, and it's too cumbersome. You have worked with many people, giving them strategies where they can incorporate healthful eating into very busy schedules. Tell us some of those secrets, if you will. That is such a good question because I see that a lot. And in fact, I see that as probably the biggest barrier to healthy eating. You come home, you're hungry, you open your cupboard and you see dry brown rice or dry pinto beans and they're not ready to eat. So then you have to resort to some quick fix, whether it is 
some a frozen pizza or takeout or whatever, and it just does not promote healthy eating. But I've found that if you just spend just five or 10 minutes at the beginning of the week planning what you can prepare, that it makes a huge difference later on. And I like to really focus on doing some batch cooking, cooking a pot of soup, a batch of beans, some type of grain like brown rice or quinoa, and some type of sauce. And just thinking ahead about salads as well. And just covering those basics can really do a lot to set you up later in the week for healthy meals. My dad called it, um, well, he was a cook in the army. And so he would, his philosophy was take a pot and make a lot. My mother called it planned overs, but I call it cooking forward. Think of it as cooking forward for your tired, hungry self. I love the concept. And it's something that without using the terminology of cooking forward, I think some of us have been doing this, but I know a key to it is planning. Both my wife and I travel. Sometimes we're traveling together. Uh, other times we're traveling independently. For right now, I'm here at our place alone. So if I have presence of mind to do it, yeah, two of my go-tos are two that you mentioned, you know, the beans, uh, the brown rice. And uh, I was used to using, uh, you know, a rice cooker. I thought that was pretty simple. But um, my wife uh, has jumped on the bandwagon of this, you know, Instapot, like you mentioned. Maybe we should talk a little bit about that. But she said, well, you should just use the Instapot. It's even quicker than cooking it in the rice cooker. So uh, she's got me uh, now following her example on that. Tell us a little bit about this Instapot. I know a lot of folks, uh, I've heard it, you know, mentioned up front. I know other people are using them. For those who are not familiar with that device, uh, share with us a, a little bit. The Instant Pot is a brand name for electric pressure cookers, and people have been using pressure cookers for a long time. But the beauty of the Instant Pot is because it's electric, it's programmable, you can set it and forget it. And it has 10 safety features built in so that you don't have to worry about it exploding like you may have heard stories of with the old-fashioned stovetop pressure cookers. And it really does speed things up. No, this is great. Perfect for beans and grains. This is really great stuff, Heather. So for some folks who are hearing about some of these things for the first time, that they're, they're catching this vision. They've been hearing other things that we've featured on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. They've been reading other things, catching other videos. And they say, yes, I want to eat more of these whole plant foods. I want to incorporate them into my diet. I want to connect with some of these traditions of my elders, you know, eating more, you know, indigenous uh, foods that grow right around where I'm living. Uh, I want to utilize that community garden that my tribe has now uh, been investing in. So if someone has that vision, you've mentioned earlier in the show that you have a special guide. Tell us a little bit about what that is and how we get that. It's on my website that you can just sign up for it easily just by putting in your name and email address. And it's three secrets to healthy meals in a hurry. And it just helps you to start learning the mindset that you need for creating healthy foods in a hurry. And it does require a paradigm shift in thinking, but it's easy to learn. A big part of it is just thinking, if I make more of this, what can I do with it? 
So if I double a recipe, can I put some in the freezer for next time? I really depend on my freezer a lot. I will cook a big batch of rice in my instant pot and I will put some of it in the freezer. I do the same with quinoa and with different types of beans. So I've created my own healthy convenience foods. So let me see if I've got this terminology. Three secrets to healthy cooking. Have I got that close? (laughs) I'm trying to remember exactly how I have it on my website, Um, but it is the three secrets. Are you going to help us with the three secrets are, or or do we have to go to the website? And by the way, if some have just joined us, give us that website one more time. It is heatherresic.com. Okay, and I've got it, Heather, H-E-A-T-H-E-R, of course, Resic, R-E-S-E-C-K.com. So if you go there, you can get Heather's uh, guide to three secrets to healthy eating or something. She'll give us the correct title in a minute, perhaps. But I'm really interested in these three secrets, or is that kind of spoil it? People have got to get the free book. Well, there's so many different secrets. I had to just choose three for the little e-guide. But as I teach in my classes, as I post blogs on my website, as I post recipes, I'm just teaching those concepts in lots of different ways because I just really want people to grasp this whole concept of how just investing a little bit of time in planning and doing some batch cooking can make their meals so much healthier and so much easier. It just saves a lot of time to devote an hour or two at the beginning of the week to preparing bulk quantities of different foods and then repurposing them in various ways throughout the week so that you're eating healthy food. You're not eating the same food all during the week. You can mix and match these different meal components And it just makes a huge difference in terms of the variety and the nutritional quality of your diet. Okay. Well, I've I've got your website down and I'm planning to go there to heatherresic.com. I'm going to share it with some of my folks that I know who are trying to cook healthier, want some hands-on instruction. And you've just really got me excited here. We want to segue though, Heather, because there's so many folks that are tuning in right now that have specific health issues. And I know one of the things that dietitians are expert in is tailoring things to individual health needs. So help us a little bit to see through your eyes. I mean, over the years working as a dietitian, tell us about some of the common problems that you've seen that you've had the satisfaction of helping people with by helping them address their diet. And perhaps I see everything through the world of food, but I really believe that what we eat is really key to a healthy lifestyle. It's only one aspect of many others along with sleep and exercise, but it is something because we eat multiple times a day and interact with food so frequently, it is very important. And I have had people that were struggling with high cholesterol who wanted to eat healthier, who didn't really want to go on drugs if they could help it, And came to me asking, what can I do with my diet? Can I make a difference? And I was able to guide them and help them to figure out how they could make some tweaks in their diet 
so that they were able to successfully lower their cholesterol or lower their blood pressure. Because those are a couple of lifestyle related diseases that are significantly impacted by diet. Embracing a plant based diet that is high in fiber, lots of beans and grains, lots of vegetables, especially green leafy vegetables and cruciferous vegetables, all of those things can really make a big difference. And let's not forget nuts, fruits, um, whole grains, all of those are important. Heather, you've touched on some really important topics, cholesterol issues, blood fats in general. We call them lipids, of course, triglycerides. It's so many people. In fact, just had a patient in my virtual office as I was doing uh, telemedicine yesterday with uh, cholesterol-related issues. We want to dig into this more deeply in our next segment. You're able to stay by. Is that uh, safe to assume? Yes. Great. So Heather's going to stay by. I'm planning to stay by. I want to encourage you to stay tuned. We're going to be coming back with more on today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. More coming up right after this. American Indian and Alaska Native Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, Please contact us on the web at AIANL.org or call 1 800 775 HOPE. That's 1 800 775 4673. A message from the National Police Association. It used to be that any able bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org. Unlike other health concerns, mental illness is not always easy to see. Depression won't show up on an eye chart. And you can't measure it on your bathroom scale. Sorting out a mental health concern is not something to attempt on your own. You won't find a bipolar disorder by looking at a thermometer. Like many other health conditions, help for mental illness takes professional diagnosis and treatment. Anxiety won't just go away under a stick-on bandage. So the sooner you seek treatment, the better. If you or a loved one has a mental health concern, don't go it alone. Find out what to do. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. Learn more at samhsa.gov support. That's S-A-M-H-S-A dot support. Using meth taught me everything about freedom, only not like you think. It taught me how easy it is to lose your freedom. If you think meth is taking control of you, ask for help. You have the power to be truly free. I know. I'm Jan, and I'm free from meth. If you or someone you know is struggling with meth, call 1-800-662-HELP for 24-hour free and confidential treatment referral. Learn more at samhsa.gov meth. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 
That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the second half of today's edition of the broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose with Heather Resick. Heather has been helping us uh, really open our eyes to some of the opportunities that we have in the area of nutrition to improve our health, to be more efficient in our eating, and uh, at the same time, really help, well, ourselves and our families, even our communities to thrive. Heather, we have been talking about some things that nutrition impacts, a variety of disease states. And before we stepped away, I was mentioning a patient that I actually just saw yesterday. She had uh, come to me a few months ago and had issues with high cholesterol, high triglycerides. She was in the pre-diabetes range with her blood sugar, and she was making some some changes in her lifestyle. Tell us uh, what kind of things you would speak about. Let's just focus, first of all, on the uh, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, that whole issue, and we don't have to deal with them both together. We could even deal with them separately. But someone listening with high cholesterol, what kind of things are they going to want to do diet-wise that can make a difference? As you mentioned earlier, we do a personalized approach. So I like to sit down with somebody and find out what they're eating and try to tailor it, my recommendations, to what they are eating, what's important to them. But oftentimes when I look at what they're eating, I can identify the problem areas immediately. And it's just a process of helping them just find ways to eat more plant-based foods. So that's if the client or patient is a man and his wife is the one that does most of the cooking, like to meet with both of them so that I can help them think through ways that they can start eating more beans, more oats and things that have the soluble fibers. And oftentimes that's just a starting point just to start eating more meatless meals, whether it's just starting with meatless Monday or something like that, but just finding ways that they can start incorporating more vegetables in particular into their diets. And oftentimes we have to think through how can you eat more salads? Um, Maybe it's making mason jar salads or something like that. Um, at the beginning of the week so that they have a salad at the ready. Well, let's talk about this whole topic of soluble fiber. Now, tell me, um, Heather, if I'm understanding this correctly, I mean, the soluble fibers, things like we might find in oat bran or apple pectin or maybe the beans, are, are those all sources of soluble fiber? Am I batting a thousand right now? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, um, we eat those soluble fibers. Tell us a little bit about how that goes down. You know, once it's in the gut, how does that affect cholesterol? Um, fiber is a very powerful thing in the body because it goes through undigested and yet it impacts so many things. It affects the microbiome. It provides the food for the healthy bacteria in the gut. And it also helps to bind up things, unwanted things in the body, such as undesirable fats, and helps to escort them out of the body, put it very simply. So fiber is definitely our friend. And that's one of the benefits of embracing more plant foods is along with those whole foods, you get more fiber, and the fiber benefits your body in so many ways. 
This is so powerful. I love this concept of escorting things out of the body. And as a physician, you know, to me, it's fascinating because a lot of folks don't realize that you have to use cholesterol to make bile, you know, and the bile acids. So those bile acids are made from cholesterol. And like you said, that fiber, one of the things it does is it binds those bile acids and takes them out of the body instead of the body recycling them. So, which uh, causes you to have to use more cholesterol to make more bile acids because they're not being recirculated, just, you know, lowering your cholesterol that way. And also, those bile acids, like you mentioned, are undesirable because they get converted in the gut to cancer-producing compounds. And uh, that's just really sobering because here you're helping yourself lower your risk of a chronic disease like cancer and also getting rid of these uh, bile acids that further lower your cholesterol. So to me, it's just, it's amazing how the creator has put all this into place. And then you brought up that topic of the microbiome, these uh, healthy germs. It's it's funny to me, Heather, because, you know, both you and I didn't just start doing this yesterday. And I can think back when people would say things like, well, why would I want to eat fiber? There's no There's no calories in it. I'm not getting anything out of it. But like you pointed out, I mean, it just has these far-reaching benefits that can really help our health. While we're speaking about fiber, you know, you mentioned it in the context of cholesterol. And we've talked a little bit about that connection. How important is it in a twin condition? Because most of us in health, whether we're dietitians, whether we're physicians or nurses, we recognize that when we put on extra weight, it is going to tend to affect our blood fats, our cholesterol is going to affect our blood pressure, it's going to affect our blood sugars. How important is fiber in that whole equation when it comes to weight reduction? Oh, it's such an important factor and one that is often overlooked. But when you think about eating an apple and how long it takes you to eat an apple, all the chewing involved, that's because of the fiber. If you cook the apples down and take out the peel and the seeds and turn it into applesauce, you can eat a couple of apples in no time. And if you totally remove any of the fiber and create juice, then there's no fiber and it affects your blood sugars immediately almost. So fiber is really important. So just being able to incorporate a lot of Fresh fruits and vegetables, for example, beans are high in fiber as well as high in protein. So they're very beneficial as well as whole grains. That's why we want to choose brown rice instead of white rice as much as possible or whole wheat bread instead of white bread. Um, another example of a whole grain would be oatmeal. The, all of those things just play an important aspect in terms of helping to regulate blood sugar levels, as well as lowering the cholesterol, like we mentioned. And you also get a lot more satiety along with the fiber, just by eating a salad or eating uh, like a bowl meal is one of my favorite things to do with salad ingredients with greens and beans and some nuts and a flavorful dressing. I can make a whole meal out of it. It requires a fair amount of chewing because of all the fiber, but I am satisfied afterwards. And it just really helps to nourish the body. 
I am so glad you uh, are shining the spotlight on fiber, Heather, because like you said, this whole issue of satiety, I mean, people don't have to starve themselves to decrease their calories. I mean, the fiber, like we've been saying, has no calories. You're not going to be putting on weight because you have more fiber, but you're chewing it. You're getting this uh, satisfaction. The, The fascinating thing to me years ago, and may have been on your radar screen for years as well, but when I was a medical student, we talked about something called cholecystokinin. You know, it's this hormone that when we learned about it, it was responsible for telling the gallbladder to release bile. So we had to learn this in physiology. But later, after I was out in practice and, you know, working with people with lifestyle issues, I started reading about more recent evidence that cholecystokinin is an important satiety hormone. And one of the things that keeps levels of cholecystokinin elevated after a meal are these very things that you're emphasizing, beans, these leguminous fiber, the special fiber that's in the beans. And so when a Native American is eating those traditional foods, they're chewing the the beans, the corn, the squash, the other produce that they're eating. And sure, they may have had some wild game or some fish with it as well, but the emphasis, most tribes that I know of historically, they tell me that they were largely plant-based. So they're eating these plant-based foods and these fibers are helping to give them satisfaction. They're not wanting to eat between meals. It's funny to me how they always speak about indigenous wisdom. People talk about, well, you know, look at all these great modern things we have. We've got the vending machines. Native Americans never had those. Well, they they didn't need them. They weren't looking to eat between meals, uh, presumably, because they were satisfied after they sat down and ate. Some of you, my listeners, can give me a reality check on this from your individual tribal tradition, but I can remember things from um, firsthand accounts of people back in the 1800s in uh, tribal communities where they were saying they weren't continually munching throughout the day. They would have actually meal times, if you will. Heather, let's talk a little bit about that because You know, it's not only what we eat, but there's so much attention now on when we eat. Tell us a little bit about what's coming out in the science as far as meal timing. Yes, this is a topic that I definitely feel that people need to understand better. Because the better we understand how our bodies work, the better we can work in harmony with the laws of nature and how our bodies were designed by the Creator. And just understanding the migrating motor complex is really important, I think. It's the self-cleansing cycle of the digestive tract, and it sweeps from the stomach into the intestine, and it just washes away debris and bacteria and that type of thing. But it only happens when our bodies are in a fasting state. So if you eat a meal and then a couple hours later you're eating again, your migrating motor complex hasn't had an opportunity to engage and that you don't get the benefit from that self-cleansing cycle. And I believe that's one of the main reasons we see so much SIBO now, the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, is because people are grazing and not allowing that migrating motor complex to do the function that it was designed. I'm so glad you're mentioning this. It was uh, oh, probably over a decade ago now that I was actually 
teaching nutrition class on a, on a college campus for several years. And it would just disturb me because, you know, you have these huge nutrition textbooks and they may have like a little page talking about this migrating motor complex, this very vital function that was so important when it comes to overall digestive health and overall benefiting from your nutrition. And it just seemed like such a shame that it wasn't on the radar screen of so many people who were focusing on nutrition, even a whole textbook. So it's just really uh, encouraging to me, Heather, to hear you speaking about this. This uh, MMC, this migrating motor complex, it's uh, gotten in the spotlight a lot lately because people are talking about so-called time-restricted feeding or, you know, periods of fasting uh, in between meals. From a dietitian's standpoint, what do you see coming out in that whole dialogue in the uh, in the registered dietitian community, if you will? Well, I really think that intermittent fasting has a lot to offer, or another term for it is the time-restricted feeding. However, I find that most people are doing it incorrectly. They are skipping breakfast, skipping lunch, and then eating a big meal late in the evening and then trying to sleep. And it's kind of backwards to do that. So it's so much easier to do it a different way. We have got to talk more about this. We do have to step away just briefly. Heather Resick telling us about some exciting things that can make a difference for you and for those you love. Our final segment is coming up right after this. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov slash plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov slash plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. I'm just texting him back. I'm just posting a story. I'm just changing the song. I'm just... No. When it comes to distracted driving, just don't. Sending a text takes your eyes off the road for just five seconds, but in that time, your car can travel the length of an entire football field. Any distracted driving just isn't worth it. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What is a number story? My number story started with fear and a lack of support, and it has led me to be there for others. A number story begins in our childhood with ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. My number story begins with the separation from my father and the emotional abandonment from my mother and leads to me being a role model to not only myself, but those around me by becoming the person that wasn't there for me. ACEs are so common, two-thirds of us have one. My number story begins with drug abuse and homelessness and leads to realizing that I can live life by my own standards. A study found the more ACEs, the more likely we may experience a host of serious health effects, physical and mental, but that doesn't need to be the case. Your ACE number is simply an entry point to your own story. Where it leads is up to you. 
My number story begins with years of emotional abuse and leads to peace, clarity, and security in my self-worth. Take control of where your number story leads at numberstory.org. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the final segment of today's edition of the broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are speaking about things that can make a tremendous difference in your life by changing something as simple, well, simple conceptually, as your foods. Not only what you eat, but we've been talking about when you eat with registered dietitian, nutritionist, Heather Resick. Heather, you've been sharing with us some really fascinating stuff, practical stuff. And before we had a step away, you were telling us about the importance of proper meal timing. So many Americans, they rush through their day. They may have heard this idea of doing more fasting, and they think, I'm going to fast, um, skip breakfast, skip lunch, and you know, go through my day. Then I'll sit down and have a big meal in the evening. Why is that not an ideal strategy? For one, your stomach can't rest when you're trying to sleep. So it's important to try to finish your evening meal at least three hours before going to bed if you really want the best sleep. And the other aspect that's so important that people tend to forget is that you need to fill your tank, your fuel tank at the beginning of a trip, not after you have arrived. So just starting the day off with a healthy breakfast is so important. So I find that if people really want to benefit from the benefits of intermittent fasting, if they eat a good breakfast and make it one of the, if not the best and biggest meal of the day, close to it, and then eat a good lunch about five, six hours later, then oftentimes that fuels them adequately for the day. They don't have to um, spend a lot of time during the rest of the day engaging with meal preparation or eating. Um, or if they need to eat something in the evening, it can be just very simple and light. And the benefit of that is that it helps people with their blood sugar regulation. It helps people lose weight because our metabolism tends to slow down in the evening. So just shifting the focus of food to earlier in the day, front loading, if you will, really makes a big difference in terms of metabolism, as well as the impact on our whole health in general. This is such a needed emphasis, Heather. I can remember looking at the medical literature and whether you're looking at children and their performance in school, whether you're looking at military recruits and their performance uh, in those strenuous activities, whether you're looking at older individuals, it seems like study after study continues to show the benefits of eating breakfast on performance and even on longevity in some of these studies. So I so appreciate you highlighting that for us today. And you know, this whole idea of eating twice a day, a lot of people, when they hear that, they say, wait a minute, you know, eat a big breakfast, then eat five or six hours later, a lunch or midday meal, whether you want to call that your dinner or however you want to label that. How could you get by the rest of the day without eating? Have you had people ask you that question, Heather? Yes. And it takes a certain amount of experimentation to figure out what works for you, but your body does get used to it. 
And I have definitely found that it was beneficial for me to, to do that. Now, sometimes I still eat in the evening, especially when it's involving a social event, but most of the time I find it much easier for me to just do the breakfast and a meal earlier in the day, my big, have my two big meals. No, this is a great message. And just for the record, since we're, you know, sharing personal experience, I mean, I've been on this program, you got me doing the math. I mean, it's been over 40 years. Mm. And, um, you know, at first it was hard. I used to not only eat at supper time, but I'd eat a snack before I went to bed. And your body gets used to eating when you're used to feeding it. So, I mean, at first I couldn't sleep without eating. Typically they were sweet foods. I mean, things that we would say are, are not good food choices before bedtime. But once I broke that habit, your body just gets used to saying, no, it's not getting fat at this time. And I don't get hungry after having that midday or mid-afternoon meal, depending on the time of day that you're eating it. So it, it's definitely attainable for many people. Now, some people with real high metabolism, doing a lot of physical work, they may need a, a third meal. But in my experience as a physician, working with a variety of patients, many do very well on, on what some have called a, a two-meal-a-day program. Is that similar from your vantage point as a dietitian? Yes, it is. So Heather, there's another population that we have to talk about before we finish the show. And it's a population that I often hear objections with when I'm working with young, uh, younger members of uh, the community. Now, I'm an internal medicine specialist, so I don't see pediatrics. So, you know, a real young patient for me is 18, 19, or 20. It's about as, as early as I see them. But sometimes they'll have those folks coming in. Maybe they're in their, their late teens or early 20s. And they come up with a big objection to healthy eating, and they say, well, my kids will not eat this. You know, the kids only like uh, hot dogs and potato chips. So this is a challenge. How do you help children make healthy nutritional choices? Yes, that is a good question. There are some important things to understand when you start thinking about feeding children. And one is you don't want it to turn into a power struggle. So the important role of the parent is to provide the food and then the child decides if they're going to eat it or not. But that being said, providing lots of opportunities for them to engage with healthy food is really important. Sometimes they have to see a food a dozen times before they'll try broccoli, for example. Um, oftentimes it helps to have a, some type of a dip to dip that vegetable in. Mm. But one of the biggest things that I have found is that you, if you engage children in growing a garden, they are, and studies back this up, that children who grow and are involved with gardening do eat more vegetables. And it could be as simple as growing microgreens or sprouts in your own kitchen to get started. But those types of activities do help children be exposed to more foods and help them learn to like them. This is such a great message. And I know it's something that really is resonating throughout Indian country. I can think of not all that long ago being uh, at a tribal clinic and uh, part of their outreach to their community was on the grounds there. They actually had a big community garden. And uh, this has uh, become very popular in many of the places where I've rubbed shoulders with indigenous uh, folks throughout uh, North America. So, yeah, getting the kids out there growing things, they're much more likely to try something that they had their hand in growing. And I, I love the idea about involving them, you know, in sprouting and microgreens. 
people have heard that term microgreens, but how is that different than what they might find out in the garden if they're not familiar with that terminology? Microgreens are grown indoors in potting soil. And basically you have a moist potting soil that you put the seeds on top of, cover them with a damp medium like paper towel or newspaper and just let them sprout for a few days. Then you can remove that and they just sprout up all nice and straight as opposed to being in a jar where the sprouts are all tangled. So it's just a different way of growing, but it's fun to watch. And then you can just clip those sprouts off and eat them in salads or on sandwiches or just plain. And it's amazing how nutritious they are. Like broccoli sprouts are particularly very nutritious. And so it's very much worth learning to do. Now, I've heard, and at the conference that we were at together, you shared some about a very exciting project you're doing with a a large publisher to try to make uh, nutrition information more accessible to kids, more engaging. Tell us a little bit about that project and how people might be able to tap into it. Yes, I've been writing a column for Guide Magazine, and their website is guidemagazine.org. And my husband tests the recipes out in his classroom since he's a teacher. And then these are recipes that are intended for children ages 10 to 14, just to get them in the kitchen, learning some basic concepts with cooking and to help them learn how to just try some healthy foods. Because that's the other thing that I've learned is when children do participate in the cooking, they're much more likely to eat it. So that's where it's just so important to get kids in the kitchen and get them involved in the whole process of cooking and eating. Tremendous, Heather. So guidemagazine.org, that's simple. Yes, and these articles are coming out once a month. I'm also posting the recipes on my website, as well as a little one-minute video that gives an overview of the recipe. Great. Well, I think that's probably the one stop shop that we should go to. And as we're basically out of time, why don't you, Heather, before we wind up today's edition of the broadcast, give us one more time how people can get all your resources at your website. Yes, you can go to heatherresic.com and there you can get my free guide on the three secrets to creating healthy meals. You can also get healthy plant-based recipes and read some of my blog posts. There's one about the migrating motor complex. And then you'll also see the kid-friendly recipes as I post them along with the videos. And then you can also learn about upcoming cook-along plant-based classes. Tremendous. You've been listening to Heather Resick. That's spelled R-E-S-E-C-K. If you remember her name, Heather Resick, just stick .com after it, and you've got her website. Heather, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. And thank you to each one of my listeners. As always, I'm Dr. David DeRose, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.